Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Kate. And you're listening to Mysterious Mysteries 21. We will be talking about The Freeway Killer Part 2 today. Some of the material we will be discussing is very graphic. Listener discretion is advised. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey, you didn't fuck it up that time. Hey, hey finally. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so last week <laughs> we uh, were talking about Bonin, aka the Freeway Killer. Uh, we left off on the part where Butts denied accompanying Bonin in one of his abductions and murders. Um, and then coming back home to brag about said murder that Butts decided not to accompany him with. So. See how this turns out. Yep, there's a lot more info. Yep. Alright, so we're going to get into the acquaintance with James Monroe. So this is another one of Butts. Or not butts. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of butts in this one. Yeah, probably. Um, but it's another one of Bonin's acquaintances he comes across later on, I believe. Um, someone, quote unquote, that helps him. I believe. I'm not 100% sure. I honestly don't remember. Alright, so nine days after the murder of. King, Bonin invited an 18-year-old homeless drifter named Joe James Michael Monroe to move into an apartment he shared with his mother. Monroe had been evicted from his family home in the native Michigan in early 1980 and had been living rough on the streets of Hollywood for several weeks. Such as Monroe readily accepted Bonin's accommodation offer. As had earlier been the case with Miley, Monroe, a bisexual who preferred sexual relations with females, also began a consensual sexual relationship with Bonin. He also accepted a subsequent offer of employment at the Montebello delivery firm where Bonin worked. Monroe later described his initial impression of Bonin as being a good guy, really normal, Although on the evening of June 1st, Bonin abruptly informed Monroe he wanted to, the two of them to abduct, abduct, rape, and kill a teenage hitchhiker. So, is this guy going to go through with it, or no? We will find out soon. Alright, so... I bet yes. Yeah. Surveillance. By early 1980, the murders committed by the freeway killer were receiving considerable media attention and were war totaling almost $50,000 for information leading to the conviction of the perpetrator or perpetrators had been offered by leading gay rights activists. Bonin avidly collected newspaper clippings documenting his own manhunt, which most serial killers end up doing a lot. So having by this stage determined a definitive link between many of the murders committed within the previous year, Investigators from the various jurisdictions where victims had been abducted or discovered had themselves begun sharing information in their collective hunt for the perpetrator. Six officers from three of the jurisdictions in which the freeway killer had most regularly either abducted or deposited the bodies of his victims formed a task force dedicated to the apprehension of the suspect or suspects who... As one of the officers upon this assembled task force later recalled was striking at the average rate of once every two weeks in the spring of 1980. <clears throat> so now they're finally trying to get something done. Yeah. After all of this. 
Yeah, it started when... Already, 60s? No, it was the 70s whenever he first started doing this. Um, so I want to say 74, I believe, 74, 75, <clears throat> uh, because in 69 he was arrested for the restraint of the 16-year-old who he let go. Um, in 71 he was in the hospital, he went to the hospital for the mentally insane 74? September 8th, 74. Okay. <clears throat> By Ma May 1980, Poe had been arrested for auto theft and was housed at a Los Padrinos juvenile courthouse on May 29th. Poe overheard the details of the ongoing murders on a local radio broadcast and confided to the counselor his recognition to the perpetrator's modest operandi as being that described to him by Bonin two months previous. This counselor reported Poe's suspicion to the police, who in turn relayed the information to the LAPD Homicide Sergeant James St. John. Or John St. John, sorry. Upon hearing the confidential tip from the counselor, St. John conducted an, an extensive interview with Poe. Although Poe withheld the fact that he had actually accompanied Bonin in one of his murders, the information he provided led St. John to deduce that Bonin may have indeed been the freeway killer. McVicker had also contacted authorities by this time to report his suspicions that Bonin may be the perpetrator. His suspicions were not dismissed, but regarded as one of many public tips to, the, to be investigated. Police investigation into Bonin's background revealed his extensive history of convention convictions of sexual assaulting teenage boys. Detective John assigned a surveillance team to monitor Bonin's movements and the surveillance of Bonin began in the evening of June 2nd of 1980. So yeah, now they're actually getting into it. They're actually trying to figure out who it is, why, what, when, where, all the fun stuff. <clears throat> so... The murder of Stephen Wells. So, the same day that they started the surveillance on June 2nd, Bonin, accompanied by James Monroe, encountered an 18-year-old print shop worker named Stephen J. Wells standing by a, at a bus stop in El Seguendo Boulevard. Bonin and Monroe enticed the youth into the van. Upon learning Wells was bisexual, Bonin persuaded the youth to accompany him to his apartment on the promise he would be paid $200 if he allowed himself to be bound prior to engaging in sex. At Bonin's apartment, Wells was bound, raped, beaten about the face and torso, then informed that he was, he was to be murdered. Before he was strangled to death with his own t-shirt, Bonin then placed Wells' body inside a cardboard box which he had, and Monroe then carried to his van. The pair then drove to the residence of Butts, who Bonin first invited to view Wells' body with the excitement, we got it in the van, it's a good one, come out and see it. According to Monroe, upon viewing the body, Butts replied, oh, you got another one, before Bonin asked for advice as how to dispose of it. At Bonin, Bonin's subsequent trial, Monroe recalled Butts' response, try a gas station like or where, I don't know which we dumped the last one. 
Monroe also later testified that Butts had actively dissuaded, dissuaded Bonin from discarding the youth's body at the nearby canyons due to the late hour. Wells' body was instead discarded behind a dis- disused Huntington Beach gas station where it was found five hours later. Damn, they found that quick. So... Even if you're being watched by cops, you, you still get out of the sight, out of the sight, pretty easily. Yeah, but I don't think he knew that the police were actually yeah. surveilling him at this point. So that's probably why they found it, the body within nine hours after it was, or five hours after it was dumped. So after nine days of surveillance on June 11, 1980, police observed Bonin driving in a seemingly random manner throughout Hollywood, unsuccessfully attempting to lure five separate teenage boys into his van before succeeding in luring a youth into his vehicle. The police followed Bonin until his van parked in a desolate parking lot close to the Hollywood freeway, then discreetly approached the vehicle upon hearing muffled screams and banging sounds emanating from inside the van. These plainclothes officers forced their way into the vehicle, discovered Bonin in the act of raping a 17-year-old Orange County runaway named Harold Eugene Tate, whom he had handcuffed and bound, initially charged with the rape of a minor and held on suspicion of murder of Miranda. Bonin was detained in lieu of $250,000 bond. The following day, Monroe stole Bonin's car and fled to his native, native Michigan. <clears throat> So, this is kind of screwed up, too. Yeah. So, inside Bonin's van, investigators discovered numerous artifacts uh, attesting to his his culpability. I guess that's how you pronounce that. And the freeway killer murders. His items include various restraining devices, including lengths of nylon cord, an assortment of knives, a tire iron, a household implement such as pliers and coat hangers. Furthermore, the interior of Bonin's van and sections of his home were extensively bloodstained, and the inner handles from the passenger side and rear doors of his vehicles had been removed in an obvious effort to prevent victims from escaping the vehicle. Inside the glove box, investigators also discovered a scrapbook of newspaper clippings related to the murder. Good God. Yeah. So he just kept, like, every... Almost like every other serial killer, they keep mementos whenever they feel like they're not going to get caught so they can relive their fantasy and get off on it. Just sick and fucking twisted. But keep it in the car. <clears throat> in the van. I mean, they had water hoses back then. You could have used a water hose to spray down all that blood and shit just pour hydrogen exactly. peroxide everywhere. Very sloppy. So although initially protested his his innocence in the murders Bonin confessed his guilty to St. John after reading an impassioned letter from the mother of King uh, imploring him to reveal the location of her son's body over the course of several evenings Bonin confessed to abducting raping and killing 21 boys and young men he expressed no remorse for his actions but he did demonstrate extreme embarrassment and regard over having been caught his primary Accomplice throughout this killing spree, Bonin stated, had been Butts with Miley and Monroe being active accomplices in other murders. Bonin later told one reporter who asked him what he would be doing if he were still at large, quote unquote, 
I'd still be killing. I wouldn't stop killing. It got easier with each one we did. Damn. Yeah. Straight up, just no, <clears throat> no softball, nothing. No, just very hit. blunt. Yeah, I'd, still, I'd still be doing the same thing, just. So Bonham was physically linked to many of the murders by blood and semen stains. The numerous dis- distinctive green shaped carpet fibers found upon seven of the victims' bodies which were forensically proven to be the precise match with the carpet in the rear of Bonin's van. Furthermore, upon three victims' bodies, investigators had discovered hair sample which had proven to be a precise match with Bonin. Medical evidence also revealed that six of the murders for which Bonin was charged were committed by a unique windless strangulation method, which was referred to be a by the prosecutor as Bonin's Los Angeles County trial as a signature and or trademark. <coughs> Same thing over and over and over and over again. Yep. So initially formed a reign from the murder of Grabs on July 25th. By July 29th, Bonin had been charged with the additional 15 murders to which he had confessed and upon which he, the prosecution believed they had sufficient evidence to obtain a conviction. In addition to the 16 murder indictments, Bonin was also charged with 11 counts of robbery, one count of sodomy, and one count of mayhem. He was held without bond, and on August 8th, these charges were formally submitted against him. Three days later, in accordance with the Penal Code Section 987, Bonin, at this stage, without legal representation, was appointed an attorney named Earl Hansen. To act as his legal representative. Hansen remained Bonin's attorney until October 1981 when, at Bonin's request, he was replaced with William Charvet and Tracy Stewart. <coughs> I couldn't imagine being a, public, being a public defender and having to. I wouldn't, honestly. How would you defend exactly. something like this? I mean, you'd probably do the, oh, they're legally insane. Yeah. Dang. Just like, bro, they caught you, like... I would say red-handed, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had all the evidence. They had all the things that they... They all were killing yeah. these kids and young adults with. And then you have to go up there and try to defend them? Just, no. There's no point. But based on Bonin's confession, police obtained a warrant authorizing a search of Butts Lakewood property on the same date as Bonin's initial arrange. Oh my god, I cannot say that word. Arrangement. There we go. This July 25th, searched uncovered evidence linking Butts to several of the murders to which Bonin had already confessed. And Butts was brought before the municipal court on July 29th, charged with the accompanying Bonin's on six murders committed between August 79 and April 1980. He was also charged with three counts of robbery in a press in a press statement related to the police investigations into the murders issued on this date. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department stated Bonin and Butts are believed to be responsible for the kidnapping, torture, and murder of at least 21 young males between May of 1979 and June of 1980, before adding that five further murder charges would likely be filed against the men in Orange County. Despite proclaiming his innocence, Butts confessed to having accompanied Bonin upon each of the murder forays in each 
of the charges listed against him and to have actively participated in the sexual abuse of sexual or several vi- victims. Butts was admitted uh, he had only a limited role in the torture of the victims but confessed to actively participating in the torture of one victim. Butts claimed he typically drove in an aimless manner as Bonin abused and tortured his victims in the rear of the van and stopped the vehicle in order to assist with the restraining of the victim as Bonin escalated the torture. When asked as to why some victims have been subjected to more extensive blunt force trauma than others, but stated that in many instances, Bonin would escalate the level of beating to which he was subjected his victim if the youth resisted his sexual advances. <clears throat> so, more or less, if you refused, you're going to get you're gonna get fucked up before you die. Yeah. Like, more than the ones that actually were into it until they started getting yeah. beat the hell up. Either either <clears throat> way, it's still gonna be bad. Yeah. It's not... Maybe just, maybe not pouring hydrochloric acid down people's throats yeah. or, you know, sticking an ice pick in someone's ear. I mean, just be gay if you want to be gay. You don't have to fucking kill because of it. Butts was brought before Orange County Municipal Court Judge Richard Orzoko. 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 O-R-O-Z-C-O. However any of y'all can pronounce that, go ahead. On November 14, 1980. On this date, he was formally charged with the participating in three further murders committed in this county. His trial was scheduled for July 27, 1981. On July 31st, Monroe was arrested in his hometown of Port Huron, Michigan. He was extradited to California, charged with the murder of Wells. Monroe pleaded innocent to all charges against him on August 14th. On August 22nd, Miley, Miley, by this stage 19 years old, was arrested in Texas and subsequently charged by California authorities with the murders of Miranda and McCobb. Miley was arrested after having confessed to his culpability in these in these February 3rd murders in the record phone conversation with a friend, thus sustaining Bonin's earlier confession. He initially pleaded innocent to two charges of first-degree murder on December 18th, but pleaded guilty to two separate pretrial hearings in May of 1981. <clears throat> so, slowly but surely, they're catching all of them. Yep. And... They're getting what they deserve. And they're reaching all the way across the U.S. I mean, Michigan, Texas. Mm-hmm. So, the, said, no, we're getting everybody. Yeah. I mean, after Bonin did his confession and said he had accomplices, I'm sure they put a, a nationwide manhunt out for these people. Oh, yeah, with especially how many people... How many victims and... 21 known and 15 plus that are undecided. So around like 40 Almost. So the preliminary hearings... At the preliminary hearing held in Los Angeles County before Los Angeles Superior Court Judge Julius Latham... Latham... We're gonna go with Latham. On January 2nd, 1981... 
Bonin formally pleaded his innocence to 14 first-degree murder charges and numerous counts of sodomy, robbery, mayhem. In 11 of these indictments, a felony murder-robbery special circumstance was also alleged. He was ordered to return to court on January 7th for pretrial motions. In the formal setting of the trial date, which was eventually set for October 19th, on the same date, January 2nd, Butts was arraigned on five counts of murder in addition to the three counts of robbery. The date of Butts' formal plea was delayed by Judge Lethem until January 7th as well. Four days after his formal plea before Judge Lethem, Butts com- committed suicide by hanging himself with a towel in his cell. So, a subsequent coroner's investigation revealed Butts had unsuccessfully attempted to take his own life on at least four occasions prior to his arrest. His attorney... Alright, I'm going to stop right there, actually. Um, so, that's something I didn't understand. So, he, t- he tried to take his life at least four occasions prior to his arrest. If they knew this... Why was he in a cell by himself? Exactly. Like, if there's someone that's trying to kill themselves before they get arrested and they get arrested, they should be put on suicide watch. Exactly. Put them in a room where they can't hurt themselves. Potentially can't hurt themselves because, I mean, human beings are not the brightest creatures. Yeah. But you could, I mean, you can have full on security watch. Rotate out every like two or three hours. And they knew he had, exactly. you know, suicide intentions. And I'm sorry, but they they should have been able to keep him from doing that. He needed to suffer for what he did, and not go out so easily. All right, so Joe Ingber, yeah, right. <laughs> Theorized that Butts desperate depressive state had been magnified by the impending release of transcripts of his client's testimonies at the preliminary hearing in which Butts had graphically described the torture of victims had endured prior to their murder. Prior to Bonin's impending trials, Miley Monroe had agreed to testify against him at the trials in exchange for being spared the death penalty, with Deputy District Attorney Sterling Norris also agreeing to seek the dismissal of additional charges of sodomy and robbery filed against Monroe if he had honored his agreement to testify. In the case of Miley, Norris agreed to accept two separate pleas of guilty for, for, to first-degree murder in exchange for two consecutive sentences of life imprisonment, with the possibility of parole after 25 years if Miley agreed to testify against Bonin at the trials prior to his suicide. Butts never formally agreed to either testify against Bonin or to accept any form of plea bargain. So, two that are going to do, might do pleas. Two consecutive licenses. But you had the chance to parole after 25 years, which I honestly think is freaking stupid. Okay, so... So it was Butts that committed suicide, right? I think so, pretty sure. Butts committed suicide by hanging himself. Okay. So we have Bonin. We have Monroe. 
Is it Monroe? Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, Miley agreed. It was Miley testifying against Bonin prior to his suicide. Beth never formally agreed. <clears throat> Where did I read Monroe? Hmm. Oh, okay. Miley and Monroe. Okay, so... So you have four people that are doing this. Now we're down to three since Butts committed suicide. So we have Bonin, Miley, and Monroe. Highlight that so I don't forget. When I drink, I tend to forget quicker. That there's a lot of fucking names in this. Yeah, there is. Alright, so murder trials, Los Angeles County. Bonin was brought into trial in Los Angeles County, uh, charged with the murder of 12 of his victims whose bodies had been found within the constituency, constituency on October 19, 1981. He was tried before the Superior Court Judge William Keene. The trial commenced on November 5, 1981. Norris acted as a prosecutor, sought the death penalty for each count of murder. What's the point? You can't kill someone 12 times. <laughs> but you can hopefully get at least one of them to be convicted. Yeah, I guess. I figure if you just do one, that should be it. Yeah, but more chances make more chances. So. Yeah. Alright, so penalty for each count of murder for which Bonin was tried in, stating in his opening speech to the jury, we will prove he is the freeway killer as he is bragged to a number of witnesses. We will show you that he enjoyed the killings. Not only did he enjoy it and plan to enjoy it, he had an insatiable demand, an insatiable appetite, not only for sodomy, but for killing. Norris further elaborated that Bonin had followed a depressingly fam familiar route in his murders of luring or forcing his victims into a van before overpowering and binding his victims. He would then repeatedly rape his captive between and throughout instances of torture before finally reaching the climax of the orgy by killing his victim. Norris further asserted that Bonin considered murder a group sports and would typically groom people of a low mentality to participate in many of his murders. This is not football. Wow. <clears throat> Yeah, it's just a group sport. Um, that's that that you weren't supposed to do that. Right now we're gonna get into Miley Monroe. Uh, so Miley Monroe testified against Bonin at his Los Angeles County trial, describing in graphic detail the murders in which they had accompanied Bonin. In his testimony, delivered on November 17th, Monroe stated that shortly after the murder of Wells, he and Bonin drove to a McDonald's restaurant and purchased hamburgers with a $10 taken from Wells' wallet. As they, as they eaten the burgers at Bonin's home, Bonin laughed and used, Thanks, Steve, wherever you are, before Monroe had also joined in the laughter. Miley testified to his participation in the murders of Miranda and Macab, describing in graphic detail how they were beaten and tortured with various instruments before their murders, and how he would, he had heard a bunch of bones cracking as Bonin had pressed a tire iron against Miranda's neck. Miley continued his testimony with the words, the kid vomited, I jumped down on him the same way, killing the guy. 
Several members of the audience rushed out of the courtroom as Bonin, Bonin's accomplice delivered their testimony. Later stating to reporters gathered outside the courtroom, they had found and recited details to or recited details to nauseating. Mm. Imagine being a reporter and waiting for everyone to come outside and you just start seeing people run outside and just be like, uh-uh, no. Yeah. So the strategy of Bones defense attorneys, Charvet and Stewart, were, was to challenge the credi- credibility of numerous prosecution witnesses to suggest that extremely significant mitigating factories as to the root cause of Bonin's behavior lay in the extensive physical, sexual, and emotional abuse he had endured through his earlier life. To support this contention, Bonin's defense attorney summoned Dr. David Foster, an expert on development effects on violence and abuse on children, to testify as to the conclusion of his psychologically examinations upon Bonin. Foster opened Foster opined, opined, O-P-I-N-E-D. I'm learning all sorts of new words today. <clears throat> Anyways, that Bonin had, as a result of repeated abandonment, not received the nurturing, protection, and behavioral feedback as a child necessary for sufficient psychological development. This had been so consistent and pre- prevalent, he stated that Bonin held a com- Fusion as to the difference between violence and love. In the direct rebuttal, the prosecution summoned Park Dietz, a forensic psychiatrist and expert in impulse control disorder and sexual sadism sadism disorder. (coughs) (coughs) Who testified that the overall pattern of Bonin's behavior was inconsistent with the inability to control his impulses. Dietz further testified as to Bonin's actions being reflective of planning and as opposed to impulsive behavior. In summary, Dietz concluded that Bonin was a sexual sadist and that although he suffered from an antisocial personality disorder, neither of these conditions had impaired his ability to control his actions. So even when they tried it, didn't work. Yeah. At least they got someone in there that actually had some common sense that knew what the hell they were talking about. Yep. And just saying, oh, he was abandoned as a child. That's why he rapes all these kids and beats them and kills them and sodomizes them. It's not an excuse. <clears throat> so many kids get abandoned nowadays. I don't fucking... Yeah. If, if every kid in the world who was abandoned by their parents became serial killers, there would be a lot less people in this world right now. Oh, yeah. So against overruled objections from Bonin's defense attorney, a Fresno-based reporter named David Lopez waived his previously sought immunity under California's shield law and agreed to testify on behalf of the prosecution as to the details of seven interviews Bonin had granted him between December 1980 and April 1981. In his testimony given on December 14th and 15th, Lopez stated Bonin had first informed him he would refuse to talk with any other reporter if Lopez would agree not to broadcast the precise details of the interview. Lopez had agreed to the conditions, and Bonin had confessed to him on January 9th that he was indeed the freeway killer. 
and that he had killed 21 victims. The victims' ages, Bonin had confided, had ranged between 12 and 19 years of age, with his youngest victim, Macab, being the easiest victim to kill. According to Lopez, Bonin had confided that although he resented the prospect of being executed, he had opted to kill repeatedly simply because he had enjoyed the sound of kids dying. Lopez also testified Bonin had informed him he had killed one victim by, by repeatedly punching him in the throat and that the primary incentive for his revealing of the locations of King's bodies to authorities had been the knowledge police would purchase hamburgers as they searched San Bernito County for the remains. Punched in the throat till you die. That sounds awful. I think I found the name for the next metal for the next metal band. Punch throat. Yeah. <laughs> God, could you imagine just like sitting there just getting punched in the throat continuously until I've been hit in the throat like twice and every time she's like It's horrible. Yeah. Could you imagine just repeatedly? Jesus. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be a three part. Okay. So upon cross-examination, Bonin's defense attorney ensured Lopez conceded his testimony was based upon what he had recalled from the interviews as opposed to any handwritten notes, although he strenuously denied he had received any form of payment to testify. That's bullshit. Closing arguments lasted from December 16th to December 22nd, 1981. In his closing argument on behalf of the prosecution, Norris described Bonin as an insatiable callous individual who acted with malice a for, or malice of forethought and who derived extreme pleasure from the suffering he inflicted upon his victims. Having outlined, outlined the torture Bonin's victims had endured, Norris concluded his closing argument by ar- urging the jury to give him, Bonin, what he has earned. Defense attorney Charvet Now in 1970s courts, it's freedom! Yeah. Defense attorney Charvet began his closing argument in defense of Bonin on December 21st. Although Charvet did not specifically ask the jurors to find Bonin not guilty, he did request they only return with a reasonable verdict you can bring, indicating a likelihood of not guilty verdicts on at least some counts upon which Bonin stood charged. Charvet then hearkened towards the credibility of some of the some of the delivered testimony pouring particular scorn upon Miley Monroe, whom he emphasized had turned state's evidence and thus he alleged had tailored their their testimony to the desire of the police. As such, Charvet called their testimony unbelievable. Charvet repeatedly reminded the jury that he had exposed Maraid uh Maraid me Consistencies? Why is there an N in front of consistencies? Typo? I think that's a typo. Okay. So may read consistencies in the testimony of Monroe's account of the murder of Wells and the various statements he had given and had compelled him to admit that he lied on numerous occasions. I spelled lied wrong. Survey also reminded the jury of the extensive abuse Bonin had endured as a child and of the diagnosed doctors at the 
Atascadero State Hospital had reached between 1969 and 1971. Contending the prosecution case was full of holes, he then alleged the prosecution had resorted to what amounted to little more than revulsion. Revision. That must be another typo, too. There's a U in it. Revision tactics. That actually sounds right. In the hope Bonin would be convicted upon that basis. Following these close arguments, Judge Keene ordered the trial recess until December 28th when he delivered his final instructions to the jury, who then formally began their deliberations. Bonin's first trial lasted until January 6th of 1982. On this date, the jury convicted Bonin on 10 of the murders for which he was tried, although he was found not guilty of the murders of Ludgren and King, of committed sodomy upon grabs, of committing mayhem upon Ludgren, and robbing one of their victims. As these verdicts were read by the clerk of court, many relatives and friends of Bonin's, Bonin's victims wept openly. The following day, the prosecution and defense made alternate pleas for the actual sentence the jury should decide. Norris requested the death penalty. Survey requested life imprisonment. On January 20th, the jury further found that the special circumstances required within California law, multiple murders and robbery, had been met in the 10 murder cases for which they had found Bonin guilty and thus anonymously re recommended he receive the death penalty so he had it that's basically all you could do in that situation just be like give him life like uh because i mean if you're the defender at that point you he's not going to get out of everything no take the loss that you can either take the big l or take the small l and how can you... Right, we're going to talk about this in a second. So Bonham was cleared of the sodomy and murder of King because he had led police to the body of the victim in December of 1980 with the agreement that he that his leading police to the body could not be used against him in court and therefore the prosecutions had discussed King's disappearance at the trial but not the discovery of his body. He was cleared of the charges of mayhem and murder against Ludgren because according to Lopez he had strenuously denied committing this particular killing in the interviews he had granted to him. So how are you going to not get charged with murder over someone that you did kill just because you agreed with the police exactly. to tell you where the body was? I mean, if you that's know where the up. body is, I mean, yeah. that kind of links you to it, unless you just walking through the woods and tripped on it, mm-hmm. or in this case, down the highway. Yeah. Well, sorry, freeway. Alright, we're about to finish this one up, too. So, in response to the recommendations of the jury, Judge Keene ordered the reconvincing of the court of February 24th, upon which date Charvet was to argue for the modification of the sentence recommended by the jury. Despite an impassioned appeal by Charvet, Keene formally sentenced Bonin to death for the ten murders of which he was convicted on March 12th. Describing the murders as a gross, revolting affront to human dignity, Keene further ordered 
at this hearing that Bonin's death sentence were commuted to one of the one of life imprisonment with a sentence should run consecutively. Bonin was then ordered to be remain remanded to the wardens of San Quentin State Prison to await execution in the gas chamber. He remained unmoved upon receipt of this sentence, having earlier informed his attorney he had fully expected to formally receive the death penalty. I love how the it's not even oh he's they're gonna you know, oh you're gonna die by you know either lethal injection or you're gonna be hanged you're gonna get gassed. I don't know when they started doodling lethal injection to be honest. I don't know when that actually started. I don't know if that was in the eighties or later some, on. Wasn't there someone not too long ago that got put to death by firing squad? Well, yeah, I think uh, a couple states actually made that legal again. <laughs> Just give them the choice. Lethal injection. I mean, soon they're going to bring hanging back or the guillotine. I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt it if they were going to bring firing squad back. Yeah, just... That's a little uh, over the top. <laughs> and one hell of a mess to clean up. Do it outside. Paint a red... Oh, cement wall red. It'll be alright. Still a lot of fucking... That's a lot of mess to clean up. Yeah, that's why you paint the wall behind him red, and you ain't gotta really... <laughs> yeah. Alright, so that was part two of our part three series. It will definitely be a part three. Oh, yeah. Alright, so uh, we are on Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Google Podcast, Breaker, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcast, and CastBox. If y'all find us on any other one, let us know in our comments on our got a let us know on the comments on our either facebook or instagram at mysterious mystery swing one give us a follow or a like a share give us any kind of questions y'all have or anything y'all would like us to discuss in the future we have a list that we plan on doing i have a list i plan on doing Kay doesn't normally know what we're talking about until the day of whenever he's actually in my i guess studio shed um, that's when he finds out what we're talking about, so... Because if otherwise, <clears throat> I am stupid when it comes to words. Well, I mean, this one, I, I have been talking a lot in this one, too, but there's a lot of information to cover. Yeah, there is. A lot of information. But, uh, yeah, give us a like. Uh, and if you're listening to this, I believe this will air on this coming up Tuesday... Uh, tomorrow. Is it the twenty first, twenty second? The twentieth, twentieth, twenty first. The twentieth. Twentieth is Tuesday, so. Okay, so this should air on the twentieth of July. And we thank all y'all for your listens and your devotion. Please get on Instagram and. Let us know what you think. Yes. Bad or good, we don't mind. Also, I'm going to start doing the uh, little episodes for our... Oh, God, I can't fucking think. Patreon. Yes, that word. Uh, 
for the Patreons. Again, in October, I think we're going to start that up. So if you want, it is $3 to become a Patreon to get a shout-out uh, through every episode. $5 for the bonus episode and shout-out. And $10 for a bonus shout-out. And whatever else that we end up coming up with. Yep. But anything will help. It'll help us keep doing what we're doing. If y'all like it and enjoy it. If you don't like it, fuck y'all. Go listen somewhere else. Or if you just want to make fun of me for, you know, constantly fucking up the intro. Every and, episode. And just words in general. <laughs> I'm not I'm not any better with words. I think a lot of these are just typos. Now that I'm looking at some of them. But I can't fucking read to save my life anyways. So I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> Alright, well, that's all I have. Thank y'all for listening, and y'all have a good week, and we'll talk to y'all next time. Have a good week.